we, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what. You bugging ass Jeff, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> We've been doing cold openings for the other podcasts oh. because we were finding we were doing too much. Hi, I'm B. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too much FM, FM radio. radio. G'day, g'day, g'day. <laughs> and it's like, seriously, this is, we're, we're trying to get away from that as much as we possibly yeah, yeah. can. That's why people listen to podcasts in general. Yeah. So they don't have to listen to the radio. It's like, you know, striving for professional audio quality without the without the radio bits. Yeah, yeah. Which is what always frustrated me about, um, like, all the ABC's podcasts because, you know, ah. well, a lot of their, like, Things like the conversation hour, which are pre-recorded, they're not done yeah. live. Yeah. And you know, it's the conversation hour, but it goes for forty-two minutes or something because yeah. they have to put all their little station promos and Plugs. stuff in. Yeah. But I don't. I've never understood why they just don't do a conversation, record it, and edit it down to forty-two minutes because yeah. they've got people that can do that, and then record and then release the podcast, and the podcast goes for. Uh, an, the hour raw and, an hour and seven minutes. Yeah. Just release that. Yeah, yeah. Because you'd find more people listen to the podcast than yeah. listen to the radio show. And then they'd also be converted to listen to the radio show too. So they'd get it'd be double. It'd be hand in hand because it'd be like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not many of them do it. And the other one that I'd really like to see is um, there's a whole heap of BBC comedy shows, mm. and they record. I think it's a 28 minute show. But they record 40 minutes usually uh-huh. and it's edited down now one of the reasons they do that is because some of the jokes they'll make they're legal t- they're le- no their legal department won't release right, them right. so they have to cut them out so they always have to have more material mm. but same thing i was like man if you guys just released the 40 minutes as a podcast unedited <laughs> it'd be way better yeah so you've been to Paris I have I questions have. yes well I'm about to pour you some tea yeah so this is Angelina tea as you can see on your cup so right now you are being transported oh. to gay Paris um, so so what's the what's the is this particularly um, this amazing is, China well, is it going to enhance the, the quality of my well my tea I like it because it's like those that retro style with the branding on it like mm. you don't really get that very often so for me it's more of a personal thing yeah. why I love it um, because when I think it was the first time I went to Paris mm. um, someone said oh it was actually a New York friend of mine who's a chef and she said the best hot chocolate is at Angelina. I'd never heard of it. I'd heard of Lagerie and all those other ones, but I'd never heard of this place. And I went, and it's like hot chocolate you can stand a spoon up in, wow. like straight. Um, but the other thing I tried 
after so did you buy these and bring them I did back? I bought them That's and brought crazy. them back <laughs> I love them because um, it transports you you know those little things yeah. more than like buying some clothes or some boots or whatever people buy when they go to Paris food and like the experiences that they are encapsulated in like this cup and saucer just take you back well so what I wanted to know was what food did you want to eat when you went there the first ever time or this time no no like the first time like what was the sort of stereotypical thing that you wanted to try and then what what did you want to eat when you went back in terms Mm, of what had you tried that you knew that was good Mm. because i think there's a difference between um you know the stereotypical what everyone thinks of as the local food compared to what actually is the sort of best local food. Yeah, that's so true. Like um, our pair tried lychees for the first time the other day. Oh. And obviously this summer mangoes. She yeah. ne- never eaten a mango, never eaten a lychee. Where's she from? Um, Italy. Wow. And so if she'd had them there, they would have been imported from... Yeah, their yeah. only real tropical fruit they get is pineapple. Right. You know, that... Lychees are a... Oh, I'd love to try lychees for the first time. Yeah. They are like a magical little nugget of deliciousness. Yeah. Do you grow them? I have one in the ground. Oh, <laughs> it'll take a while. Yeah, it'll um, take a while. To answer your question, so um, you said when I went there for the first time, what did I want to try as a mm. stereotype? Um, so that first question, I suppose macarons are a big like thing. Yeah, right. That, but... I don't know if they were in their prime when I first went. I mean, okay, to be honest, the first time I went, I was a kid, like single-digit five-year-old. No, okay, so, so you're not really I remember sunflowers. Looking. That's all I remember. <laughs> but um, the time I went was when I was an adult. It was eight, 17 or 18. And um, I think the cheese thing, I think I wanted to explore that a bit more. Mm. And then I'd been recommended this hot chocolate, so... Those were the things that I went for. And, you know, they were good, but I thought you could probably more readily just sit at a cafe and just order cheese. But, of course, you have to have your entree, your main, your cheese, your dessert, or maybe just your main, your cheese, your dessert. But you have have to have more than just a course of cheese Mm. when you go to France in general, unless you find a fromagerie cafe thing. Um, So that's the first thing I was probably looking for. And, uh, yeah, disappointed because you can't just eat that. You've got to eat everything. But it's not really that much of a disappointment. You just gain a couple more kilos. Um, but the second, when I went back this time, so there's a story. So I actually went back I actually went back to study back in France because I um, learnt it through school and did this um, immersion program. So we, we studied and went to Belgium and lived with families. And so we became quite fluent, all of us, and... That ended when we were 15 and then, of course, we did grade 12 and blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, went to uni, wanted to keep doing French and then there was an opportunity through QUT to do um, a semester over in France. So I went to Lille in the north, which is about an hour north. And I suppose... Ski, ski town? No, no, it's not in the mountains. It's yeah, sou- South is more like towards Switzerland is where... Why do I know that, that name from then? I don't know. Well, maybe it's because of these awesome waffles. How good is that segue? Um, because, so I went there and it was only, a semester's like three months, four months. And um, it's a bit of a, to be honest, it's a bit of a butthole town. Like, I think there's about 300,000 people. 
and it's got things like it's got a Zara and it's got that sort of stuff that that matters when you're a teen when you're a university girl um but it's it's like the Calais sort of near the Calais area where all these migrants you're seeing on the news now are trying to get to to get across to London Mm. so there's a quite a diverse culture there and I was really struck by the really cool Muslim community up there because there's cool spices and and like raisin these huge golden raisins I've never really seen since and all these cool things anyway one of the other really cool things that's unique to the city probably my favorite thing I should have been going out getting drunk I was like 19 I should have been getting wasted coming home at three and probably trying drugs and doing all that sort of thing but I wasn't my favorite things to do were to go to the markets on a Sunday and get a roast chook because they had the beautiful rotisseries there I'd find the one with the longest queue because that's how you know it's a good French thing people are willing to queue forever for a good piece of food and the other place was Miet so it's M-E-E-R-T I think it's Dutch in its provenance that name but it's this tea house that's like like I say you're in this butthole of a town and you're walking along and there's this like gilded tea room and it's got it's there's it's separated they've got their little shop with all the macarons and these waffles and all these other amazing delicate patisseries and then there's this tea room that's like goes quite long mirrors and gold ceilings and pale blue it's just like where am i it feels like you're stepping into versailles or something old school french sort of thing yeah and it really is old school because when is it it was like says on Mm. his book i've got the cookbook yeah right but um it's 17 something that it was founded so it's had everyone from like the king louis to like um who was it ray charles yeah they've got right. it in the book like he's eating it's just like all that's these a, it's just like that's a fairly long celebrity <laughs> list it is like they actually have all their celebrities in the book see they and they've had to sketch them because they don't have photos, photos of them. <laughs> but um so the waffle i will start slicing it up my husband will be so upset that i have taken one of these rare waffles out of the house to share with so, somebody again, else is this back from france or have you made this um Customs. Customs. Uh, yeah, you, you've customs made it, of course. It. Yeah, custom knows. Customs. Yeah, yeah. I made it. I made it. Um, this is direct from their Paris store. Wow. So they have a store down there that they've had for a while. So the inside, have a taste while I'm talking because otherwise you'll want to talk too <laughs> and you won't get it to taste it. But the um, inside, I know. it. You know Chocolate? What it, no. What is it? This is fun, actually. Try and guess because, like, it's the simplest oh, no, ingredients. Oh, no, it's a... Um, is it cream cheese, like cream cheese icing? No. No? It is just butter, sugar, vanilla. Yeah, so it tastes a lot, a lot like, um, so I make an icing with, you know, obviously icing, sugar, butter, mm. cream cheese for yep. carrot cake. Yeah, yep. And that's what that tastes like. Yeah. Just without, it's just not And without any cheese. citrus or anything, like I mm. used to put a bit of lemon. Well, no. So what they do, okay, so finally... So I've always loved this, and it's been like this treat that I can only get when we're in France. So I wonder if the, do they make the waffle and then put the filling on yeah. the inside, or do they, they cook spread it? it? No, they spread it on the inside like a piece of toast almost. After, but they the waffle it. has to cool, and it's mm. that really thin waffle. So that's where they get you because there's no way you can create it. I've never seen a really thin waffle. No. So you saw it. It's like see, have Julie's. It, this is for you and Julie. I've had enough. So. Um, but better hurry up, Julie. <laughs> but it's so That's thin that I think they actually. I've got to reread how they do the waffles. But I mean, I don't have a waffle maker like that. <laughs> Julie's taken it. <laughs> the plate's gone. 
Um, Julie, you have to talk on the podcast if you can. Oh, she's taking a photo. Um, so I know it's such a simple thing, but for me, that's the thing that I want. And you can get it in Paris. So Lille, like I said, is now north on the train. Yeah. Um, almost worth going there just for a little day trip, just to go there. But we didn't in our 10 days there. We're like, there's a, there was a shop of Miette around the corner from us that I think has been there for quite some time as well because it's black and gold on the outside, like that same sort of old style. Um, but you can also, you can get it from their shop and they have all different fillings like speculose fillings and wow. praline and things like that. Yeah, but it's not as good. This is, the, this is you got to stick with the Ridge. I only came to Waffles, someone, uh, Vanessa's aunt just gave us a waffle maker, like just a, a Breville one. Yeah, yeah. They're the best actually, the Brevels. And I'm still on the lookout for like one of the old school. Oh, the irons. Yeah, all the, you can get the big electric ones. And oh. they're, like a, they're like really, really heavy duty. So yeah. I make a sourdough waffle. Oh, but, how do you do that? Just so, like a bread? Um, no, same, same thing with your waffle mix, but mm-hmm. you just put a scoop of your sourdough starter in and make it the night before. Ah. And because it's got sugar in it, it'll sort of eat, eat the sugar away. Mm. But I have read, um, oh, who was it? Someone on Twitter was telling me in a cafe and they've got one of those commercial waffle makers that sort of basically seals off completely. Yeah, and keeps it nice, like cuts it away almost. Yeah, yeah. and keeps it very contained. Mm. And they make a, a, a very strong sourdough one where they leave it for a couple of days and it's actually mm. quite gassy. And you have, like their commercial one sort of is really straining at the seams the way it, it expands oh. in a waffle maker. And they reckon you... Where's that cafe? I, I can't remember. Oh. I, should, I should bookmark it. We should if, give it a plug and if, then... If you're listening, if you're listening <laughs> yeah, yeah. can you tell me who tell you were? Because I can't remember. But So I've always just thrown... And it does give it a, quite a different flavour. Even if you make it up 15 minutes before you do them, oh. that sourdough just gives it a, a different level like of flavour. Like a nice savoury... Mm. A bit of a different texture too, I imagine. Mm, I don't really know because I've only mm. ever made it the one, the one way. Yeah, well, okay, this is an interesting dissection on waffles, actually. I'm enjoying it. So <laughs> You, because go, to, you I've go, got go to France and we talk <laughs> waffles. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, so on another segue, I mentioned how I did that school immersion, immersion program at my school. Did I give my school a plug last time? I'm going to give my school another plug. Glennie in Toowoomba. It's excellent. Send your actually, girls there. Actually, you did. Yeah, I know. I remember doing it. I just went to do it again. It's a great school. Anyway. Very few people like their schools. I really enjoyed my school. And I wasn't a big nerd, okay? Please don't make fun of me. Um, but so we went on this exchange and some of us, yeah, stayed with these families in Belgium in this town, town called Liège. I think it's probably been on the news. It's probably had an attack like Belgium has been having lots of attacks. But it's not far from Brussels. Um, but Liège is where they invented the waffle. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's waffles it's everywhere. Waffle, yeah. So they have... Um, Goff Liège, because Goff is the word for waffles, or Liégeois, and they've got these chunks of sugar in them. So oh. they're not overly sugary, but as you're eating them, warm, and they're sort of, they're yeah, warm little, and they're sort of like... Um, little melty bits, do you? Yeah, you've got like, it's almost like caramelised maple syrup, but it must be the sugar just caramelising. And then you, you come along, uh, come across these, like just these tiny little sugar cubey things, balls in there. Unreal. Well, I'll you don't really you need much more on it, you know. Something to do with waffles that you will not get anywhere. Tell me. So when it's mulberry season, I make a, oh. a mulberry syrup. Ooh. So, you know, lots and lots of mulberries. Yep. Cook them down. Um, 
pass them through a sieve mm-hmm. so you get like a, a juice and then reduce it down and then add um, a bit of sugar ah. right at the end just to give it a more syrupy consistency yep. but you basically you know you'll take a big bucket of mulberries and reduce it down to like a little jar oh that'd be so concentrated though yeah. oh and it's just so wicked. good and that so do you best. put that on top of the oh vanilla yeah. ice cream and a couple See, of spoonfuls the, of that maybe the secret to waffles is exclusivity yes. like you make it your own way <laughs> and this one see when i had this i was like this tastes like the interior of an oreo in the very best way mm. like if there if there was a gourmet oreo without having the biscuit i've never really loved the biscuit of an oreo so i feel like this is like as you know i'm i'm just not i don't think i've ever eaten an oreo you've never eaten an oreo no i don't eat that many biscuits yeah but you what about when you're a kid or like you know no not really hmm well, if you had had one, don't even bother now because you've just surpassed the central. <laughs> it'll, it'll be it'll be a little bit um, it'll disappointing. Be underwhelming. Though, actually, you, you're the exact person I should be talking to at the moment because mm. I have now hit school lunches. The eldest oh. boy is going to prep, mm. so I'm after interesting things I can bake to put in to to you know. So I've done muffins a few times. Frittatas are always good. Quiche. Yeah. Quiche because yeah. it holds its base yeah. nicely. It's not all eggy everywhere. Um, now, I was thinking more more the uh, sweet. Ah, sweet like things. Like just one. You know, one not, little treat. A good sweet. treat. Yeah, like a something interesting. To but I'm not a healthy... I'm not a, I don't have children yet, so I'm just cooking with butter and sugar. No, and no, that's all right. I think <laughs> I'd rather do that than, than just give them, a, you know packet of chips or something they're, yeah they're, yeah like all schools are pretty good now there's they're, they're the old packet of chips and are they outlawed right? oh not outlawed but it's not it's frowned upon it's frowned upon mm. they want they want to see some fruit and some vegetables yeah. in, the, in the lunchbox that's good that they monitor it and curtis to be fair will eat like he'll eat carrot sticks all day long so yeah what a um, good kid oh the twins are the, are the, the ones though they eat fruit like they would eat like bats <laughs> I don't know, 60% of their diet would be fruit. Oh, my gosh. You just can't keep it it's up. It's good, though, because they're getting the sugar from a healthy place, not, you know. Yeah, and it's really funny watching them when they, they've all got their particular things that they like. Yeah. And Hilo, one of the twins, just loves pasta. So I made a pasta oh. the other night. Um, actually, from last week's podcast, we are talking about you know, like a, a chunkier pasta. Yeah, you know, like a ragu sort yeah, of. Yeah, so I did that, a... That's my jam. I love that kind of stuff. So I did a... Um, just got some beef cheeks, mm-hmm. some Roma tomatoes, some garlic. What else did I put in there? And just slow roasted it. Nice. And then took the beef cheeks out and sort of um, stem blended ah, the rest of it. Yeah. And then sort of put the beef cheeks back in, cooked it a little bit longer and then just pulled it all apart. Oh, and then with good. fresh pasta... Oh yeah, you love your mm, fresh pasta. Love my fresh pasta, and he ate five serves or three three serves, and then whatever was left. He's in on a carb diet. Both his brothers' <laughs> plates. I was like, you eat more pasta than I have eaten tonight. <laughs> you're growing like, boys. You're like way, you know, a tenth of my weight. <laughs> well, when they play for the when they line up for the Wallabies, we'll know why they've been, you know, mm, yeah, <laughs> why they've grown so tall. Be a little short for the Wallabies. Um, so what, okay, sweet things in the lunchbox. I just had a thought. Have you ever cooked madelines? No. They are fun. And you can almost cook them with the boys. Yeah. Because it's a dough that are 
So Madeleines are, again, it's French by accident. That was an accident that that was French. But it's a very French theme today. Um, so Madeleines are the, you know what they are? They're like these, okay, so they're these, Proust made them famous back in, Marcel Proust made them famous back in the day because he wrote this book. I think it was something about days past or I'm probably going to get, like you're probably going to get heaps of comments on the podcast like that girl's an idiot. She doesn't know what it's called. It's probably Proust, not Proust. I don't know. There's, there's always someone on the there's internet that's going to comment. So. Come up, come at me, Charles. I'm ready for you. Um, anyway, there's a specific tray you have to cook this matter. Oh, I'll finish the book reference. Sorry. So his character in this book um, is always transported when they bite into a madeleine back to oh, this yeah, past yeah, yeah. time. So it's kind of got this ethereal quality to it. But you don't have to tell your boys about that. But um, you have to have a specific tin, which I can lend you one, um, and they're like scalloped sort of little shells, and they're probably on about an inch deep. Yeah. And um, you just it's a really easy dough. It's like a melt-and-mix kind of dough. Has You don't over-mix like with everything with flour, um, but you melt the butter and you just sort of wait till it cools a bit and mix it in with some eggs, and it's quite a watery dough. And then you just um, put about a couple of teaspoons in each sort of greased, um, scalloped sort of thing. Shell. Yeah, and then the, they don't bake for very long because they're only so small. Yeah. And so you can even just bake them that morning, wait for them to cool, wrap them some glad wrap and pop them in their lunch boxes. And because they're like the perfect size, they're about, you know, that high and they're a shell and they're a bit yeah. funky. And that I do them with cool. honey. Honey is oh. a good thing. Cause well, I've got, I've got some good macadamia yeah, nut honey at the moment. Yeah, you have some good honey out there. So, so that one's a good one to try. I always think um, carrot cake, anything carrot cake. Yeah. Kids just you and find... I, you and I've loved carrot cake together well, on this podcast. But kids, kids find carrot cake just hilarious. The first time I made carrot cake with Curtis, he's like, "Why? Why are we grating carrot? We're making cake. Oh. Like it just blows their mind." Do they like it though? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they love carrot yeah. cake, and. And they just think it's crazy that you gr- you're grating up carrots <laughs> Carrot to, to make put, delicious to, to, to make a you know to make something sweet. Yeah, you know what? You could probably even make mini carrot cakes in the Madeleine tin. Like, well, I've actually got. Um, I've I've just had a whole heap of relatives here, so um, Julie missed out again because I was going to bring her some some soap, but I've given it all She's away. Telling me about this. But um, <laughs> tormenting you. I got from, I don't know, somewhere I saw it on special, uh, a little silicon cake mould, and they're like little bar cakes. Oh, yes, And yes. they're perfect for they're my great. soap making because they're... Oh, soap making. <laughs> exactly the right shape yeah. for... Um, yeah, they're exactly the right shape for a bar of soap. Yeah. But they'd be great for little for lunchtime little, carrot yeah. cakes. Yeah. And you know what they also... I was going to mention these ones too. Another cake I love doing that's like, I'm just thinking of little bite size, is financiers which they were called that financier um, because they look like gold bars. So that's the mold they use, like a little mini bar, again, a French thing. And it's an almond uh, meal based uh, dough. I don't even think it has flour in it. I think, I don't even think it's a mix. I think it's just almond meal, butter, eggs, the sort of general thing. I can send you the recipes. We'll put them in the show notes. Um, and you do a dollop of like raspberry jam or something in the middle. Oh, you can okay. choose whichever one you want. Yeah, that one's a really fun one too. And again, it doesn't take long to bake. You just wait till it gets a little bit golden around the edges, and it's a great one to bite into. And to, you've got all that oozy jam. Yeah, because I think the thing is for school lunches because they're not like at home. They're sort of sitting at the table, and you know you give them what you give them, and they. They yeah. eat it, but at school, I think you want to try and at least keep them interested. Yeah. You can't just give them the same stuff every day. No. 
because otherwise they won't eat it. And yeah. then they'll start trading it trading for it. Nutella. <laughs> for like those big, remember those big things of Nutella you could get? No. What? You no. haven't eaten Oreos. You haven't gone. <laughs> I don't like Nutella. It's it's one of those. Well, you know about it though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know so about they it. have the like. Well, when I was a kid, there was a girl who used to get them for lunch, and we would all get so jealous. These little like almost double the size of those little concealed butter cases you get at dodgy yeah, cafes yeah. and they chuck them down on the table um about double the size of that and it's nutella and they give you a little paddle and you eat it out what? of the thing they're probably not allowed now so what, probably you just, a 90s you just kid ate thing. it you just ate nutella and you like laughed at all your friends while they ate vegetables um, <laughs> that's why i've grown up to be big and strong sana <laughs> our port our pair has just discovered nutella and she what? sits there and she's and, from italy yeah what part of Italy was she in? I'm uh, sure everywhere in Europe would have Nutella. I know. Isn't that funny? So, yeah, she just sits and eat, eats it with oh. a spoon. But um, Good luck to her. That's all I'm saying. If you want to know something that's, <laughs> like, decadent and high in sugar, when we first went to uni, my flatmate and I, we used to have this particular night and we watched TV for, like, four hours. There was, oh. like, shows on that we liked for four hours on a Wednesday night. That's just like any night with me and my husband on Netflix, but anyway. So, well, this is way, way before <laughs> Yeah, before you had to Netflix. get up and change the video. So, we, <laughs> in the afternoon, we would boil, slow boil, a tin of condensed milk each oh, into caramel. To caramel. So, and oh, I, I take my hat off to you for the effort. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, like, it was always... Uh, you know, how early did we finish uni that day to get home? Because the longer you boiled it, the <laughs> yeah. thicker you got. But we would sit there oh. and just slowly, no dinner, just oh. slowly eat a whole tin of caramel on a Wednesday oh. night. How'd you sleep after that? Nah, That'd be worse than a whole know. bottle of red wine, wouldn't it? No, no, no. Never had any problems sleeping when I was younger. Sugar coma. Mm. That's crazy. So why did you both... That's kind of culinary to do that. What made know. you both think of that? I or who discovered where it? we... we I think I made a, um, I used to make, uh, I think it was a sayo, you know, like one of yeah. those cheap slice things where you put like a layer of sayos and then it yeah. must have been the caramel and then another layer of sayos and then like icing. And oh, then like a quick, quick cake or something yeah like a quick slice and then you'd, yeah. you'd cut it up i don't know where i got that recipe and i've never really continued <laughs> that sounds it. like a cwa special yeah not even a reprint that oh. sounds like a legit 1950s and it probably probably came from my mum or my grandmother yeah um and then we, we obviously just bypassed the making oh, of the slice the, yeah 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 went straight to discovered the, the best bit mm. bug of the sayos <laughs> sayos are they still a thing mm yeah, you can still buy sayos. So what can you put in kids' lunch? Like, so there's no, no technical nuts. police. But what about tuck shop? Does that still exist now? Uh, I don't know. At primary school, I guess so. And what's in it? Oh, so you don't let your kids do... Will you let him do tuck shop? It hasn't come up. Ah. They've just said, can you please provide... Lunch. Lunch. Morning and they do give lunch. guidelines. They're like... Oh, so what do they do? What do they say? No gluten? No. No nuts. See, that's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot more kids have allergies. Yeah. And I think it's more a con control thing. It's like, well, yeah. you know, like kids share. And yeah. if if you've got something with peanuts in it and you give it to another kid. Yeah. Even smelling it for some of the kids who have allergies mm. is enough. Yeah. Have you heard of peanut parties? Yes. Mm -hmm. Where the mums get together with their newborn babies. Well, 
Yeah, or young or kids young, yeah. in hospital car parks. Oh, in hospital car parks. Mm, <gasps> because that's how quick it can happen. Yeah. So they give them peanuts, and if something happens, straight into emergency. Oh, my gosh. Our kids eat everything. Yeah, well, how did you try it on them? Just gave them nuts. Yeah. It would have been in something I cooked pretty early So on. how did you get them to be good eaters? Because, you know, I've got nieces and nephews now, and... I sort of notice their a, eating habits and... You I'm know. a bit of a Nazi when it comes to dinner time, to be honest. Right, in terms of making them eat... No, don't force them to eat anything. Ah. But they eat whatever we have. Yeah. So whatever we're having for dinner is what they have. Yeah. And as soon as they went on to... Um, even when they went on to solids, a little bit harder with the twins. We used a lot of those crappy squeezy packs with the twins just because yeah. with you, twins you twins. make lots of compromises. Yeah. Um, but with Curtis, I used to cook up a heap of rice. Yeah. And whatever we were having, I would just roughly blend it. Yeah. With some rice. And so he would get the flavours of whatever we were having. So yeah. if it was curry, he'd put like a spoonful of curry, a spoonful of yogurt in to mild it out. Yeah. But he was really good when he was younger. He would eat anything that was hot. Mm. And the twins will still eat anything. You can give them a hot curry and they just... Like as in spicy? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they just just shrug. They're more picky in terms they'll go, and it's not consistent, but some nights they will go, I'm going to eat all the tomatoes and all the bits of carrot and I'm going to leave everything else. And other nights they'll just eat everything. And then other nights they'll go, I just want the tomatoes and I'm not going to eat anything else. But our (laughs) thing is, whatever's on the table is dinner. Yeah, yeah. You don't get anything I'm not going to recook or make you anything. If you don't eat it, that's fine, but you're not getting anything else. You're not getting toast or anything afterwards. No, yeah. biscuits or chips yeah. or anything like that. So then they get used to it, to the compromise. Yeah, and then yeah. They, they get, if they're hungry, they'll eat the next day. Yeah. So. That's a good point. Um, the, the problem more is like they, they see, they're like, so you're, you might be having bacon and eggs for breakfast and mm. they'll get bacon and eggs for breakfast, but then they're like, I've finished all my bacon. I want your bacon. Oh. Just like more bacon, more bacon, please, or more strawberries, or more tomatoes, or oh. more this, or more so that. The problem is when they eat too much. Well, like they, yeah, they they pick the bits out that they like, and you have to shovel those bits oh, into your mouth quickly, or they'll, they or, or they'll want yours as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to that day sharing like that. Well, I'm used to it because my wife's bloody terrible, and I, I tell her that it's karma because. They hassle her a lot more for oh. bits off her plate than they do me. And I just said it's karma for 10 years of her picking the best bits off my plate. Or <laughs> I'll, I'll get a, you know, I'll say, do you want a beer? No, I don't want a beer. And then I'll open a beer and she'll go, can I have a sip of your beer? Oh my gosh, I do the same thing to my husband. <laughs> so he gets so annoyed. I think it's hilarious now that <laughs> she'll be sitting there eating breakfast. Like uh, breakfast is the worst. Like, really? You, I'll have fed the kids breakfast and they'll have had their breakfast and Vanessa will come down half an hour later and make a piece of toast and he'll go straight in. Can I have some of your toast, mum? And so she'll make and another yeah, piece. And yeah, what do you say? Run. Oh, yeah, you just you give have it to, to do it. You just keep going. But. have to keep cooking. <laughs> I'm trying to think if the on, the on the French theme, if there was anything I noticed about how they do it. Well, that's really the French. The French. Ah. That's what they do. You eat when they... Yeah, you eat you together. Eat, you eat together. Yeah. You eat everything, and yeah. like they do it to the even more extreme, like where kids will have wine at a young age. I kind of like. It depends how young, but I like that because mm. it's not like I noticed definitely, especially when I was a teenager, 
they have such a good relationship with alcohol. At 16, all us Aussie girls were wanting to find a party and, you know, whatever. But these girls and boys would go to the pub after school because mm. the legal age was 16 and they'd have a drink of beer and that's it. They'd just go home after that, like a coffee. But we were like, no, you haven't. Let's get drunk. Like, yeah. You know, it's just... And it's just... Even though I was raised with a really good appreciation for alcohol, there's still that Aussie thing, isn't there, that's unfortunately in our DNA for at least a short I've got, while. I've got lots of friends that can't, just physically cannot have a couple of drinks. Yeah. Like they can either have no drinks yeah. or they get drunk. Yeah. They, they can't have... They can't enjoy... A beer. Sad. Like come around and have a beer. I think it's just, it's a very, it's a very cultural thing. It's, I hope that we can... You know, we've become foodies. I hope that there's some way we can mm. iron that out. I don't know. It's almost. It's like we're proud of it. Like Aussies love getting drunk and being reckless. I don't know. Is it? So what about um, like main savoury food? Food. Have you got a, a favourite French dish for that? Roast chicken, hands down. Oh, really? Roast chicken. Don't even ask me twice. Um, because they're chooks are the best Mm -hmm. when so like i said when i was there at uni i'd get this chicken and that that chicken that i'd buy already rotisserie um would last me a week in my little bathroom little sad uni bar fridge room um it was a tiny fridge that i just used to cram with everything and i think i gained yeah five kilos and i was over there it was awesome because the fridge is right next to your bed as if you're not going to (laughs) but um this chicken would last me forever and there's just something their chickens are meatier there's no other way to explain it and they're 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 chickeny yeah uh, they're not like they don't taste like the fridge they just don't they don't taste just cold or bland they just taste like chicken and are we even when we were there we we're only there this time around in january freezing cold but it was still good because you can eat lots when you've got all those coats covering up <laughs> and um and i you know if someone else is there for 10 days they're not going to cook but i was like 10 days is heaps of time i'm going to cook yeah so we went to my favourite place, La Grande Epicerie, which is the big supermarket. And um, it's like full of those kind of ladies who wear, wear feather, um, not feather, fur, and they have like perfect haircuts and Botox and stuff like that because the groceries there are very expensive. It's like, it's like James Street but on, like, on steroids yeah. and um, people are just beautiful there there's a truffle bar where you can sit up and have everything truffle and then there's like a charcuterie bar and all that sort of stuff but yeah around it is like the best of the best produce from all of france just brought into one place like the best butter the best chickens everything so we made like three different visits there (laughs) my husband loves food too so thank god um and we, I bought this, actually didn't buy the chicken from there in the end. We went to an organic market and it was just like, I, she handed over, the chicken cost me 27 euro, which is like 50 bucks. And I was like, that does not seem reasonable, but I'm too, like, I'm stuck now. I've got this chicken. So it was an organic chicken. And as soon as she handed it over, I held the bag and my arm went boom and like dropped And I thought, oh no, she's left all the guts in it. Like she's done that thing where, you know, the French yields everything, head to toe, you know. I don't know what accent that was. Um, But I got home, it was just chicken. And there wasn't wasn't the head, like they like to leave the head on. Usually butchers will chop, will say, do you want this? Because 
like my granny, my 95-year-old granny, who's now here, the English one, she's moved here for good. I don't know if I told you that. No. Oh, we'll explore that next. Um, but she, um, my granny uses like those things. She calls them giblets, like the feet and that sort of thing. And she uses those for gravy. So I think the French do a similar thing. But anyway, I didn't have the head, thank goodness, because I don't think I had a knife sharp enough in the tiny apartment we we're in to chop that chop off. Chop the head off. <laughs> yeah. But um, cook this chicken and so much meat on it. It was just, and it's just beautiful. It crisps up beautifully. The skin is amazing. Yeah. You just don't want to waste anything. And the oysters, which is my favorite part, you know the part? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, back, of course. Yeah. Um, that, those are just succulent and so roast chicken. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That's not what I was like. Like, we've got some um, old friends that live with us. Um, he actually came on an exchange with one of our flatmates was going overseas to do three months in Germany. Yeah. And so he was in Queensland for three months, so he took Shawnee's room for three months. And they've got a... Um, it's like a... It's not like a hostel. It's not like a youth hostel. It's, it's like a... You go and stay there. It's a hotel. You go and stay there, but they take you and do local things so they take oh. you through a tour through the market and hikes up through the hills oh wow stuff like that they actually engage with you instead yeah of just being, sort of yeah. show you that the local but their local market is amazing where is it whereabouts is it i'll, I'll put it in the show notes. i'll put it in the show notes because um, i'm terrible with memory um but that's where you know if, yeah. if, if i went to france i'd like to go and hang there for a couple of weeks yeah and, and cook and they've got their like hotel kitchen is just nuts yeah, really yeah really like big and well yeah well equipped yeah. and i think they do have a chef but i think the whole idea is you can go to the markets and help cook stuff yeah and, you know it's a whole immersive experience so what's your what's your french meal do you have oh, any i've never been to france so but what about okay well what's your expectation um, to try when you go there yeah see like i would be more interested in just going and eating like cheese definitely obviously because i'm i make cheese yeah but I'd be trying to find, like, the farmhouse cheeses. Ah. You know, not the branded ones. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, go to a market and there's just a somewhere a where there's a guy. farmer that, you know, I bring, you know, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a brand or yeah. a label or anything. I just make my cheese and bring it here and sell it in kilo lots sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, Um And, you know, tomatoes and, and the, more the fresh produce. The produce, yeah. Yeah. Their I, produce is pretty incredible. Like, we are very spoiled here. But I think there's something about their meat. They they either butcher it differently. They definitely raise their chickens differently. Mm. I don't. I'd love to just find out how that all happens, because I don't know why we can't do that here. We've got a um, lesser population. Have than you they tried do. Um, um, Shirley's chickens yet? Not yet, mm. Shirley. I'm coming for you. Yeah. And I want to try her ducks too, because does she have ducks? She has a summer lad poultry. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're duck. Um, when we ate in like the bistros over there, I had just eaten duck here before I left because I'd been recipe testing for my cookbook. That's right, Three Wise Women. Um, <laughs> just a little plug for my cookbook there. I have bought a copy. Oh, have you? But I gave oh. it. I gave it away as a present. Oh. As a present. It is a good present if mm. I do say so myself. Yeah. Because it's all wrapped and ready with a whisk. Yes. And the only <laughs> problem was is that I wanted to write on the. Uh, like I like writing on the when I give cookbooks away. You can away. lift it in the corner. Yeah. I'll show you the Yeah, well, trick. no, I just end up writing on the front cover. On the front, yeah, well, why not? just looks like it's signed I thought, by the oh, author. I should have got it signed. I know you the author. Have. I know. I should have actually signed them for Julie. I could probably sign them for Julie if you want that. Anyway, um, she's not a go-ahead. Um, I'm definitely going to go back to 
raising some chickens this year, I think. Yeah. They're, oh, that's what I said. Their, their duck, too, is really red and delicious. Yeah. Like, it's just a really healthy, healthy portion of duck. I, mm. I don't know, again, how to describe it. I it, don't want to, again, say it's ducky, but it really is It, it might just be that they're... Um, amazing. Just to, they they raise them a little bit longer, a little bit older. Tastes like that. It doesn't taste. The thing I love about it is I find duck here sometimes tastes a bit too gamey, like it's too skinny or something mm. like that. The, the there's not enough meat. I've raised duck before. Is it hard? Oh, not really. But it's bloody hard to dress them. Uh, I'd never, I'd never home kill ducks again. I don't think it's just too much work for. What n- makes it harder than chickens? Uh, well, the feathers are a lot harder. Are they? But it's more your, um, uh, like your, the amount you get back versus the yeah, effort. Yeah, yeah. It's like, such minimal. You know, but why is that? Because the French can do more. That's the thing. Uh, no, ducks, the, ducks are, are a lot leaner. Like, than, the, yeah. than chicken, you know, yeah. just the breast. The breast yeah. is a lot thinner. And like, you know, I wasn't, mine were just eating whatever they could, you know, they were getting feed, but they weren't getting. Um, they don't. Gorge. No, yeah. they weren't sort of being. They, they were just sort of foraging, and they'd get a bit of feed at the end of the day. Mm. I probably should have been feeding them a bit more grain, mm. um, you know, for eating them. So, yeah, it's a. Well, I don't know what they do to make their duck taste so remarkably different, but again, it's like the chooks. It's some weird poultry anomaly over there. They've got the air's better for the ducks and the chickens i don't know the duck was definitely fatter Mm. a lot more meat and just really well that was the other thing is the ducks that i had did have a lot of fat yeah probably more a lot lot fatter to meat ratio than like Mm. if you bought it in the shops yeah um but yeah i'm keen to give chickens another try because we eat eat a lot of roast chicken yeah and if you can know where it comes from you know and roast homegrown roast chicken does taste a lot better that would feel so good too even to the, go from woe to go. Even the free range ones are. Well, you know, if you have a rooster and you have, you know, then you end up with little boy chickens. Then yeah. You really have to eat chicken because otherwise you end up with too many roosters and yeah, that's yeah. no good. Well, then you'll end up with more and more chickens, right? Well, no, because too many roosters and they fight. Oh, and right. You only really ever want one fully grown one. rooster. Right. Yeah. I've mm. found. Had, All these things I've never really considered chicken farming, really. I had one, at one stage, I had one big rooster and one silky rooster. Yep. And silkies are just nuts. You know, they look yep. nice and fluffy and cute. Yeah, they're aggressive, aren't but they? they are yeah, su- my sister has chooks. Super, super aggressive, especially yep. like they're good mothers because they'll um, protect. They protect, like, mm. you know, they, they can never fight off a snake, but they'll they raise a ruckus mm. when. I had when we first moved there I got raided by foxes yeah I was gonna ask you if you had problems because we've had friends who lived at Seven Hills who had problems mm. with foxes so it's only never not far never from had any problems since but um, yeah one night I had ten chickens and they got six and the sixth chook they tried to take was the silky and she raised seven levels of hell and I came out and but the, they'd gone in and killed the chicken and taken them out and down the hill like they hadn't sort of they didn't eat them. They yeah, well, they, ta- they took oh. them away and, you know, they were taking them away. They're so bloody sneaky, those foxes. Oh, they took them one by one. Yeah, killed one, took it away it's down the murder, hill. It's murder, isn't it? And then, you know, and evidently that's what they do. They take them down to back to where they're 
little younger and um but they try and sort of stockpile but um that's not a nice thing i'd had those silkies for ages too oh i love silkies they're good fun so yeah you should do it again so I, I don't know, maybe maybe um, Shirley can hook you up with the poultry guys and they can give you some proper tips. Yeah, well, the thing is, they, yeah, well, they do the, and this is the other problem I've got, is that I've got nowhere flat. But the best way to do mm. it is if you've got paddocks and you have those chook tractors and you basically move them every day. Ah. And they eat the grass and all the bugs that are in that bit of grass and yep. then you move them and they eat. Oh, it's that Joel Salatin sort of mm. rotational farming thing. And... Um, like even better is if you have cows on that grass because then yeah. there's all sorts of bugs and stuff in the cow poo that they ah. they get into and eat. But yeah, it sounds like a lot of Chook work. Tractor not going to work on my place. Why not? It oh, just no, roll down hilly. the hill. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Got to have a nice flat. How do you have time for work and all that? I don't farming. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> like I've had this. I've got the fence. I've got everything for my new little chook run. It's weird having a place like. I've got this chook run and it's away from the house and we had problems with the dog and I, I had like 10 rescue chooks and I was getting good eggs, happy days. Um, and then this dog got in and killed half the chickens and scared the rest of them and I didn't get eggs for ages. So I moved them back to a little pen back down next to the house and it's good to have them near the house. And I've actually done this in my permaculture design. Like they talk about the zones and... You really yeah. want certain things in certain zones because they need lots of attention. Yeah. And, you know, you want your chooks relatively close to the house because you're taking the scraps out to them and you're getting the eggs. And and I've got these terraces behind my house that are an absolute freaking pain to mow. <laughs> and we've been living there for 10 years. And it just came to me the other day. I was like, I should just fence those terraces and have them as my chook run. Because oh. then the chooks will keep all the grass down and I don't have, and to, you don't have to do I don't it. have to snip them. That's ideal. And do was, it. And they're nice and close to the house. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I can't believe it's taken me 10 years to think of that. That needs to happen. But that would have been a good Christmas holiday project and now we're already in the new year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I should pick your um, farmer brain then. Um, so, my, like I said, my 95-year-old grandma has just moved here from England. Mm. Pretty incredible. She wanted to – she just was, like, realised all her family's out here, so she just went, hold on a sec, I'm, I'm moving. Moved to Australia. And she's amazing. I saw her this afternoon, and she just – she, she? she walks – like, she walks quicker than I do, and, you know, she's bending over, picking up things, she's unpacking into her new apartment, and, like, she's all settling in. How's she finding but, the uh, Brisbane heat, though? She has been here enough on holidays to know that it's torturous. And she also lived, while my dad was a boy, they lived for a while in Singapore. So she's she's a trooper. Yeah. Because um, I've got a mate who might be moving to England soon and he was talking to some friends over there and they're like, oh, yeah, last summer was brutal. We had like three 25-degree days. Oh, gosh. <laughs> He's like, yeah. God forbid they see some sun over there. It's 36 and 90% humidity here today. Yeah, I don't know why anyone – anyway. Um so she has this new place and it's got this big courtyard out the front. Mm. Enough room definitely to put in one of those like vegetable raised gardens or something. Mm. But what should she do? What's an easy thing? And it's got like um, filtered sunlight, I suppose. It's not direct sunlight. Which is better in Queensland anyway. Yeah. So the thing I'm going to do um, next, it's, it's a toss up between this or the chook pen, because I'm hopeless at watering. Yeah, me too. Isn't everyone? So... <laughs> 
the the big thing in sort of permaculture um, garden veggie gardening now is those um, wicking beds. Have you heard of them? No. So you put in you put in you, you have a raised garden bed, yeah, and you put you line it with plastic, black plastic, yeah, and then you line the black plastic with um, carpet, mm-hmm. and you fill just the, like house carpet. It doesn't matter. It's just to protect the black plastic oh, from yeah. the gravel. Yeah, and then you put half fill it with gravel. Mm-hmm. And then you put shade cloth or hessian mm-hmm. or something down on top of that. Oh, and you put a sorry, you put a pipe in so yep. you can fill it up with water. Yeah, from down to the bottom. Yeah, down so to down to the bottom, the and then area. just above the gravel, you have like an outlet, so the water mm-hmm. can never go above the gravel. Mm-hmm. And then on top of the what another pipe to drain out or something. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the shade cloth, mm-hmm. you put your soil, mm-hmm. and then you plant your plants. And what happens is. The, the soil actually draws that moisture up from the gravel. From the gravel. So you've basically ah. got like a huge, like you know those pot plants and they have the water reservoir in the bottom? Underneath, so it's replicating that on yeah, a big scale. on a big scale. And so so you, how often do you have to top it up? You just water it once a week. Ah. But, you know, if it's hot, they draw more water. If it's not, ah. the water just sits there. So Like it, like it would in nature almost. Yeah, it's, like, it's just mm. like a reservoir that, that sits there so you never have that. You know, because my, my problem was always you have a hot day and I forget to water the garden and it I kill half out. my vegetables. Yeah. Um, so That's I've, a good one because mm. it's also good for me, like um, trying to figure out how to grow stuff on my balcony aside from the possum problem um, is too much sun and not enough water. Yeah. So that's well, a good one. The other one is like you can buy now full, fully enclosed aquaponics setups. With the fish, yeah, yeah. So, but that can't sit outside, can yeah. it? Yeah, no, absolutely. What? Yeah, yeah. Aquaponics doesn't need lights. Ah, it just sits outside. So explain that. It's all the fish poo in the water. Yeah, that fertilizes it. Well, in a way. Yeah, you have a growing medium, so gravel, or they have the expect they call them expanded clay balls, mm-hmm. and there's a bacteria that grows on those balls, which grows in. It's basically all the stuff that that's on your gravel and your river you know it's it's the same sort of ecosystem that you have in a river yeah so the nitrogen from the the fish um gets deposited on the clay balls the bacteria eats them and turns them into whatever it is the plants grow on yeah and then the plants basically so they take that nitrogen out of the water so the fish can still eat Mm. and then um so they're filtering the water, mm. and then as the water splashes back into the into the bottom, yeah. it, it creates an oxygen, you know, creates oxygen for the fish, oh. and so it just cycles. Ah, oh. cycle, cycle, cycle. Where cycles. do you, where can you get just normal garden shops um, online or something? Yeah, no, have a look online. Like, yeah. so, so, you know, I've built systems before, but now you can have ones that are like fully enclosed and come with the bag of stuff, and you just start them up and cycle them and then put fish in them Mm, it's like a beer brew kit just ready to go yeah (laughs) you just figure it out and it's amazing when they get going because what happens is once they once they cycle which is basically the bacteria grows on the on the the balls yeah the more the more the fish grow the more you feed the fish and the more they crap the more goes into the system and the more the plants grow so ah, if you like grow a fertilizer like a dream basil mm. like i've had basil grow that you just it's almost impossible to keep up with 
because it's just growing so fast. That's cool. And so big and juicy. Yeah. Ah. When they work, they're just amazing. I built one just recently, but the problem is I built it in a dark blue barrel. Yeah. And where it is, it gets too much sun. Oh, and the dark blue doesn't help. Well, it's heating the water up. Uh, the water's actually getting hot. And killing the fish. No, killing my plants. The uh, water's too hot for the plants. Uh, and I can't get it to I can't get it to cycle. So I've just wrapped the barrel in some shade cloth. Yeah. See whether that helps. Or maybe you have to just wheel it out in winter. It just has to be something. Um, yeah, I'll just move it, move it mm. somewhere. But it'd be another good one for because a lot of the ones they sell are just in that sort of um, uh, you know that that tank color you know yeah. like the yeah yeah nature green sort of yeah, yeah or that yeah. sort of um cream color oh yeah 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 well so she's she my granny's an interesting person she's 95 and she actually used to have her own i just said i've said about three times she's 95 if anyone's forgotten how old she is she's 95 um she used to um live in a tiny apartment but she when my pop and she sold her their house um she kept like they kept this small plot of land so oh, right. right up until she was leaving she was still farming stuff there like broad beans i've dug up potatoes there so i'm sure she was still doing that she's got this amazing connection to to the gardens and to earth that i just would love to bottle up because it's just so yeah the english do that allotment gardening really well don't yeah. they where you don't actually have the garden in your own home yeah like they have a a bit of common land or whatever and yeah that's like the apartments have you know veggie gardens and that sort of thing i think it's because they're they can't really they don't have the pests the same pests we do like possums possums here like that's my barrier that's the excuse i'm using Mm. um to growing anything edible because they just love eating anything i grow and i just can't think of anything over there apart from they get rabbits that dig holes yeah they get um she did tell me something that used to eat but you know it's pretty like it's pretty fertile over there and when we went over in october to pack her up i'd walk down she lives lived in somerset which is you know south yeah and it's it was autumn and it was just green (laughs) everything was stunning and there was sunsets and i was like why are you leaving this place because i was like i think i might move here because we had her space was too tiny for us to stay in my dad and i to pack her up so we stayed in this like cottage in the sort of country which was like five minutes out of town yeah because taunton where she lived is like toowoomba it's very small it was it's smaller than toowoomba so anyway and i'd go walking every morning and night only my dad thought i was this super fit human going running in the morning walking night but it was only because um walking down the lanes which are their roads in the country was full of um blackberry bushes oh, yeah, and they were all like ready to pick and because no one drove down there it's not like they were polluted they were just they were abundant and i did get caught red-handed once i thought i was alone i was just standing it looked like i was having a chat to the bush but i was just shoving berries <laughs> in my mouth <laughs> And this car came around the corner, husband and wife behind the wheel, and they just laughed at me. <laughs> but um, it's just so fertile over there, and they can just grow those beautiful things like berries and, you know. It'd be a little bit like um, we went to a wedding in Wanaka in New Zealand. Mm. And beautiful, just amazing weekend. Yeah, another you know, amazing climate too. Yeah, yeah. and just so green and yeah. down by the lake and sunny. And anyway, we went into this cafe and got this uh got a hot chocolate and um i was chatting to the the lady in the cafe and i was like oh 
this is just amazing. I said, I don't know why everyone moves away from New Zealand. She's like, this is the best weather we've had in four years. (laughs) (laughs) And there you go. That's the reason why. And and it'd be the same as England. Like England, it'd probably, you know, 200 days in the year that was the rain. one week yeah that was you, the you one got, week they had you, sun you, you get a brilliant week of sunshine yeah. like, oh, this is great and you, yeah and then it's like yeah you don't come here in the other 200 days no. where it rains and or sleet or yeah. slush or yeah. yeah yeah the stuff that makes living life hard mm. but the other thing that i really couldn't live there for they i know it's a cliche that we think we have the best coffee mm. but english coffee is rubbish mm. like i'm talking but how is that poss- almost nescafe instant crap like how is that possible like I, I do not know i don't understand like if we've got you know like our country it, towns still have good coffee even compared to, even coffee club is yeah tolerable yeah do you know what i mean yeah it's not they don't great they do not have it they have it in london but who guess who runs them Australians like they I mean I'm sure there's a a couple that aren't run by Australians but a lot of them a lot of the coffee movement as they call it in London um is is was geared like was wrapped up by Australians same in New York New York you couldn't get a decent cup of coffee 10 years ago they have a very different idea of diner yeah diner style it's it's very sweet like that Zarafis coffee is very American style I can't stand it it's too sweet I think Starbucks did really revolutionize over there Mm. and and England has the same one over here yeah Awful. But England has the same one called Cafe Nero. Yeah. And like I said, the town where my grandma lived is like very small. Mm. But like I say, Toowoomba would have, it does have several really quirky, funky quality coffee places. This place should have like a cool, yeah. doesn't. I ordered one coffee from like this, um, yeah, this Cafe Nero. I always order long blacks or something like that. No crema. It just comes out all bubbly, you know? Yeah, right. Like... Too much water. Yeah, every time. When we went somewhere else, I, I don't know what, what... I swear it was an instant coffee. Mm. And that's what my dad said up until like a couple of years ago. That's what they were serving when you'd order coffee. <laughs> just because tea, yeah. I think, is such a focal point there. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. All right. Bloody palms. <laughs> and, on, <laughs> and on that, we'll wind up. Thanks. Oh, I back. didn't mention my cookbook. Oh, Three Wise Women. Yeah, yeah. Give, available give us, at. Give us your plugs. Well, so the granny I was talking about, her brilliant um, recipes, as well as the recipes of my two other grandmas. So the third one is my husband's grandma. Are all available in my cookbook, Three Wise Women, which is out now, and it's a great Valentine's gift, or Mother's Day gift, or any woman gift and man. Um, all the recipes are foolproof. I'll just say that. And they, there's tips and tricks that I hope you don't know and that I hope changes the way you cook. We were talking last week um, about Cookbook Club and how, yeah, not every cookbook has, you know, the, the recipe's more a conception rather than something that mm. works yeah. easily for everybody. Yep, it's I want to be different recipe. Yeah, and we're yeah. talking about cookbooks. Like I always say that first Jamie Oliver cookbook I found so foolproof. It was almost designed for that entry-level cook. You know, yep. it was just there was nothing in it that was going to trip you up. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's get, what you want. Get get it at Scrumptious Reads, people. Get it. See you, Annabelle. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Pizza. <laughs>